It is Tuesday evening. It's 6.13 Pacific Standard Time. And it is Vince. FRPC is on the air. And I am your host today. And we are going to be talking about the Christmas slate. And we also have a couple trade rumors that Mark Stein has uh, given us a day after Christmas to talk about. So um, those are the couple things that we are going to get on. So we're going to go through every single game. Um, and I'll give you a couple observations um, from every game. And then, like I said, we'll get into some of the juicy details of whatever trades and what I, whatnot are coming out of the uh, Orlando showcase, which uh, that was a, a whole thing onto itself. So, Man, we got a lot to get to, and we are not going to waste a lot of time with chit-chat and what have you. I hope everybody had a very joyous Christmas day with your loved ones. I hope you were able to watch some hoops, because we're about to get into it. And um, again, we're just excited to go ahead and do this, so let's get into it. We're going to start with the first game. Jalen Brunson continues his stellar play on Christmas. Brunson poured in 38 points and led the New York Knicks to a 129-122 victory over the Bucks. The Knicks now lean heavily on movement and slashing to the basket. Um... And they now have an engaged Julius Randle, which is excellent because here's the thing. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, last I think last uh, podcast, we talked about him being out. Looks like he's going to be out for a significant amount of time. So they are missing their center. It looked like this was all the makings for Giannis to go crazy and score 60, but Again, Jalen Brunson was a, a beast. Um, the other thing that I kind of looked at with the Knicks, and it was like an observation, R.J. Barrett is might be the piece that needs to leave. Everybody has always talked about the Julius Randle piece and how does it fit and, and what have you. I'm not saying that Julius Randle is a perfect fit for that team. But he does something very necessary. He is a battering round to the rim. He gets the line. He does shoot the three at an acceptable rate. Um, and even if he goes into a slump, he's not shy. He'll continue to fire away. So at least the confidence will never wane when you talk about Julius Randle. When it comes to Barrett, the numbers are pretty steady. And it's just just doesn't seem like enough. Like he's being more selective now. He's shooting 4.9 three-point attempts this season compared to 5.3 three-point attempts last season, which is a subtle difference, but it's made him a more effective player. But I just think they need a little more juice out of that position or some kind of re reimagined 
rotation. And that's what I kind of got of it. But also, this is an incomplete picture without Mitch Robinson. And we know what that's going to look like for the foreseeable future. Uh, for the Bucks, it was the same cast of characters. Everyone, the core players, did their job. Uh, shout out to Bill Belichick, the old curmudgeon not tanking for the obvious quarterback upgrade that's just awaiting them. It, it mean, it was literally do your job Christmas Day for the Bucks. Giannis had 32 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. Damian Lillard had 32 points. He had a rebound. He had 8 dimes. Middleton also tipped in with 24. 2 rebounds and 6 assists. Lopez had his 14 points, 6 boards, 2 blocks. And Portis had 12 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 personal fouls. And the reason why I put the four personal fouls in there is because he's the tone setter. Um, the Bucks just need another ball-handling wing. They need somebody where if something breaks down, Giannis has the straight line drive to the basket. Dame can be your outside killer. You kind of need that guy with a little wiggle, like that in-between guy, and they just don't have that right now. Also, if we can kill the Malik Beasley minutes altogether, that would be greatly appreciated because that guy is a train wreck on defense. All right, so that was the Bucks and Knicks game. Um... Like I said, I have a ton of notes today. I always have a ton of notes, right? All right, let's move on to the Golden State Warrior game. A um, couple, couple stats that stood out to me. Curry struggles on the Christmas stage as Denver wins 120 to 114. 18 is the number here that we want to kind of focus on. It's going to kind of weave its way into the podcast. So key number, if you remember Sesame Street or whatever, they would have like letter of the day. The number of the day is 18. Now, the first part of this is that Jokic shot 18 free throws in that Christmas Day game. Now, before we get to the little controversy that go went on um, after the game, and we'll get to Steve Kerr's comments, uh, per stat muse, this is a really interesting stat. Curry averages 15.3 points a game on Christmas Day while shooting 31.5% from the field and 23.1% on three-point attempts on Christmas Day. And this is before the Monday tilt. So he went 7 for 21, which is right about that average, which was he was shot 33%. And he shot 3 of 13 from three-point land, which is a whopping 22%. So 
he was indicative of his normal numbers on Christmas. So, if you can turn the NBA playoffs, if Golden State makes it, into Christmas Day, you will have a normal or a regular Steph Curry. He will not be able to put on the Superman cape and save the Golden State Warriors. So, if somehow you can move Christmas to April, maybe exchange the Easter Bunny out and put Santa in there, you might have a shot in April. That's if, and that's a big if, if Golden State gets there. All right, let's get to the controversy. <laughs> Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warrior head coach, he was upset with the uh, the superstar calls that Giannis was, was getting, um, which is funny. He observes Steph every night. Now, I'm not saying that Steph is a foul chaser. He is not to the Harden level or the Trey Young level of foul chasing because those guys are absolutely. If we had to put a rating on it, you know, if we, you know, how you use uh, movie ratings, they have like PG, PG 13, rated R. NC-14 or whatever, Harden and Young would be triple X, right? Jokic would be R. I would say that Steph falls in the PG-13 kind of bordering on R, but he gets his. But I just found it funny that it was uh, the discrepancy was the issue that Kerr as the Warriors were currently just just out of playoff positioning altogether, that was the thing that he uh, thought that he thought he would need to focus on. Now, here's the thing: this could be some gamesmanship on Kerr. He might be setting up for the future, and the reason why I say that is because right now we still don't have any Draymond Green. He's probably not going to be around until at least the first week or second week of, of January. Provided he hits all his steps or whatever and goes to counseling and sits on the couch and talks to Oprah or whomever he needs to talk to and cry in front of the camera. Um, so he might be actually doing something to kind of set up what needs to happen next, right? Maybe Steph gets a couple more favorable calls and things of that nature. Here's a bright side of what did happen on Christmas Day. The youngins are contributing. Jonathan Kaminga is now starting ahead of Wiggins and showing ferocity at the basket. He's rebounding, which for some reason when Wiggins was in the starting rotation, he wasn't doing, and now that he is a bench player, he is doing. So maybe the message has been sent, and we can get back to Andrew Wiggins, who was really, if we want to get down to brass tacks, Andrew Wiggins was the second best player on that Golden State Warrior championship team a couple years back. Um, Podzinski has also got into the starting lineup. I don't know if that's going to be forever, but he has such a feel for the game. He has such a, a nice 
way of playing basketball that absolutely fits the Golden State Warriors. He's not shot heavy. Um, he doesn't pass on shots. He's aggressive when he needs to be. He just has a real nice feel for the game. And I really enjoy watching Pazinski do his thing with the Golden State Warriors. Moody is steady. Um, he's not exactly the guy I thought he was going to be, the defensive stalwart that I thought he was going to be in, in like this um, just absolute sharpshooter from outside. But he's a steady role player. He kind of reminds me a little of Gary Harris. You know, Gary Harris, just long-time steady guy in the league, hit you some shots, play some defense, and go from there. Um, and then let's get to Trace Jackson Davis. Now, this is an athletic big that the Golden State Warriors absolutely need because the other thing that we saw in this game is Kevon Looney looked really slow. And it's kind of scary for somebody being 27-28 look that slow. Now, Looney has had hip surgeries and, you know, a couple knee operations. So, obviously, it might be just injuries catching up to him. Or it just could be a lull. We don't know. But the sample size of late is that he does look like one step slower. But if Trace Jackson Davis is going to be who he's going to be, what an opportune time for it to happen. He's a switchable big. He's 6'9 and a half, about 245 pounds, so he's, he's stout. He rebounds. He's a excellent lob threat for Chris Paul in that second unit. So, and also he is a, he's a deterrent at the rim. So these are all positive things that Gold State can take away from that game, even in a loss. Now for the Nuggets, I'm going to tell you right now, um, nothing has changed for me with the Nuggets. I know that Minnesota is now first in the West. Shout out to the T-Wolves. But the Nuggets look bored. They are going through what every championship team goes through. It's like when you reach that that pinnacle of success, you know, you're just at a situation where what's going to happen is, is that not every regular season game you're going to be able to get up for. <clears throat> and they're still taking around with the lineups and still trying to see which young guys are going to work. Um, the key component to that young crew are – Julian Strother, the rookie out of Gonzaga. Christian uh, Brown, the kid out of Kansas, too. He's in his second year. And Peyton Watson out of UCLA, who's the athletic wing, who's kind of like their deep defensive guy. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. At some point, if the Denver Nuggets decide to scrap this and get somebody, they can say, okay, we trust you with 18 to 22 playoff minutes. Any of these guys are expendable, and they have the picks to be able to go ahead and do it. But Calvin Booth is putting a lot of... He's putting a lot of sweat equity 
into these drafts, and he believes these are the type of players that fit his team and what they want to do going forth, not just this year, but years to come. So I'm not saying to look for a trade, but if there was a trade to be made and Malone thought that they needed one more guy, they still have a plethora of guys that they will be able to keep in this mix as far as that's concerned. So I'm not worried about Denver at all. I mean, I'm really not. It's just, like I said, they just look super bored. Now, who showed out in that game? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon. They were excellent. And their numbers combined, 35 points and 20 rebounds. And I will tell you one other thing. Jamal Murray loves a challenge in games like these where he can prove to everyone that his name should be mentioned when you talk about the top echelon guards in the league. You know what I'm saying? Like, he loves this type of stuff. He went off. He had 28 points, but it was the shots that he was making. It was like that vintage Jamal Murray, I can shoot this shot damn near horizontal. You know, he looked like Keanu Reeves in like a John Wick movie. It was absolutely nuts. <clears throat> so that are those are my impressions of the Denver Nuggets and the and the Golden State Warriors. Now let's get to the Lakers. The Lakers found out how deep the Celtics were in their 126 to 115 loss to their longtime bitter rivals, the Celtics. Every time the Lakers would surge, the Celtics would turn just took turns, every last one of them, and I'll get to it in a second. They just took turns in stopping out the uprising, okay? Um, the Vandal Reddish minutes aren't potent enough, albeit both Reddish and Vanderbilt provide resistance on the defensive end, but they are coming up really short. It's like bringing soda to a gym party. I'm telling you, they just don't have the necessary weapons if that's the lineup they're going to put out. So they had Reddish, Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, LeBron James, and AD. Now, getting to AD, AD was awesome in this game. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you can more expect from that man. That man had 40 points. <clears throat> it's so funny. We did a podcast recently, and I compared AD and Bradley Beal, and we'll get to Bradley in a second, but I compared AD and Bradley Beal to dating IG models. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to recant my statement. AD is playing possessed right now. He's playing like, I want to be the defensive player of the year. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. Now, if his team, the others, would do this, and we'll get to what I'm talking about in one second, but if they got to do this, this team would be in a little bit better situation. But I brought up his inconsistent play, but that has changed over like the last 10 games. 
Now, his last five games, he's at 27 points. He's at 11-plus rebounds, um, 3-plus assists. It's the, If you extend it out over the last 10, it's even better. I mean, like I said, he's playing, he's playing really, really good basketball. Here's the thing. If you can upgrade the Reddish and Vanderbilt spots, um, the Lakers should probably be in a better situation. We're also going to talk about another individual as well. But here's the thing. The trade market has not crested yet. We're going to talk about later a couple names that are out there and a couple other things that I've heard in the last couple days. But we're in a pattern where you just have to be patient and you have to wait until the market turns. So the Reddish replacement and also the... uh, I'm going to say it and I hate to say it like this and it sounds like I'm being... A curmudgeon, because if you look at just the numbers, D'Angelo Russell looks like he's playing very well. There was a stretch in that third quarter where the Lakers were down 83-79, to and D'Angelo Russell comes in. And it was turnover, missed defensive assignment, An absurd three that he hit. Then he gets backdoored on a defensive assignment. Then he comes back and tries to make it up and shoots a three that's ill-advised because he's hot because he hit hit one. And then he also just allows um, Sam Hauser to blow right past him and score at the rim. And then it's 95-82. And the Lakers are down by 13, which they had already climbed out of a hole already. And this is the type of stuff that I'm talking about. All due respect to D'Angelo Russell. He would have to be a sixth man and he'd have to buy into that situation. But he doesn't respect possessions enough for me when I'm talking about playoff time. D'Angelo Russell is a fine regular season player. But if you're talking about playoff possessions where every possession counts, I'm not sure or I'm not confident enough in that man's ability to take every possession and be and be locked in and be very serious about what is the task ahead. I'm not saying he can't play basketball. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm not saying he doesn't make miraculous passes. He does all of those things. But there is still some possessions where you're going, what are you doing? And I know LeBron is sitting there going, I'm counting down the days, man. I'm I'm just counting down the days till we can uh, get some things squared away. Okay. Um, A couple other things that we want to talk about is this, is that um, Gabe Vincent had knee surgery. It sounds very familiar, okay? I don't want to invoke this name, but Laker Nation, does this sound very Kendrick Nunn to you? Two years the Lakers waited for Kendrick Nunn. I remember these years. It was just last year and the year previous. 
All I heard was, oh, when Kendrick Nunn gets back, oh, he'll sort the rotation. The rotation will be sorted once Kendrick Nunn gets back. I've been hearing the same thing about Gabe Vincent, and guess what? He has not played a game. Or he played one, and then got hurt. I'm not mad. Listen, it's very unfortunate, but this, this feels very Kendrick Nunn to me. And that's not a good situation for the Lakers to be in, especially if we're trying to, in a sense, take away D'Angelo Russell's impact. A Gabe Vincent injury does not help that. Okay, let's get to the Celtics. Everybody played a part. But here's the thing that I want to just kind of alert you to. Drew Holiday in that game, 7-10 from the field. Christoph Porzingis, 11-19 from the field. Derek White, 8-13 from the field. They were 25-42, of 42, those, just those three guys. That's the supporting cast, okay? That's the key point of this. You have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are your two pillars, right? But this kind of production that you're getting supposedly from your your rotation pieces, this is what they have. Everybody is starring in their role. Everyone. Oh, here's the other thing. Everybody in their starting five scored 18 points. Or more. There's that number again. 18. Boston's starting five. Everybody scored more than 18. So if you want to talk about balance. You want to talk about. Oh who do you leave open. You want to talk about. Um, who can we shade off of. And and and, and uh, put more emphasis on. on Jalen Brown's driving. Or Jason Tatum. Tell me who you're going to leave open on the Celtics right now. They're the best team in the league. That's what it is. All right. No Embiid in the Heat win, 119 to 113. There's some key numbers to go over. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because I think you don't get a real gauge of what this team actually is um, with without Embiid. Obviously, he's playing at an MVP level. The big guy's averaging 35 points a game and uh, darn near 13 rebounds. So there's not a lot to get really geeked up about this game, but there are a couple numbers to go over. Uh, Maxi, 4 of 20 for the game. All right. Um, <laughs> it looks like Maxi... Shot like he had a hell of a Christmas Eve party in Miami. That's what it looked like. It looked like my man went out and enjoyed Miami to the fullest. Okay. Um, and again, it's real, it's real, it's real easy. He's the guy that everybody's going to key on and everything like that. So I don't look at this. It doesn't change my mind about Maxi. He's a star. This guy has played well. We just talked about him in the last podcast. 
the points per game, the production, just the juice that he gives the team. I mean, there's nothing. This is a blip on the radar. But we do have to sing the praises of one guy. We had a Jimmy Butler impression, and it was great. Okay, um, we sang the praises in the Eastern Conference um, recap show, quarter recap show. Also, the hundredth podcast extravaganza. So dip into the archive pods and get with us. But Jaime Haquez Jr., man, let me tell you something. <clears throat> 31 points, 10 rebounds, 2 steals on Christmas Day. Okay? Now, all the eyes of the NBA are on you. This is the time to show out, do your thing. We just talked about AD. We just talked about how the Celtics are so deep and everybody is contributing. You getting 31, 10, and uh, two steals from your support role guy who is a rookie from UCLA. Now, if you want to talk about the epitome of heat culture, and I think this is something that we said during the draft process about Jaime Hakas Jr., what a perfect fit he was for Miami, and how sick I was that this, this actually happened because I was hoping that he'd be a Laker, but... They decided to go another route. Um, you had to think that I was going to get that in there, right? Okay. But him, Hakez just being a heat made so so much sense that it, it wrote itself. And he's been putting up numbers all season. He started off at, in a bench role, and he has progressed now into a situation where He's part of the starting unit when Butler is not playing. And Butler didn't play Christmas Day. And like I said, Jaime Highcast Jr. said, no problem. I can go ahead and be Jimmy Butler for a day. And also, now Jimmy Butler and Jaime Highcast Jr. are doing commercials together. So, it's all love in Miami. Oh, the other thing we need to talk about. Another ho-hum 26.15 rebound, 5 assists, no big deal game from Bam Adebayo. We talked about on the last podcast in the Eastern Conference recap, quarter edition, his points per game the last five years have all gone up. He's averaging a season high, uh, a career high, 22 a game this season. And then he just went out and scored 26, grabbed 15 rebounds, and had five assists on Christmas Day. You know, no big deal. But again, this was out without Embiid. So, so we can't just, we can't leave that out, right? We just can't leave it out. All right. <clears throat> the last game. Luka destroys the Suns, putting 50 points on them in a 128 to 114 game. Uh, we have a lot to get to in this game. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to talk about Luka. There's going to be some other stuff we need to talk about. First thing I want to highlight is that Luka had, if you if you have him on your fantasy team, uh, 67 fantasy points. 
nothing to sneeze at. Congratulations to all the Luka Doncic uh, fantasy owners out there. Um, I want to, <laughs> I want to say two things. One, he did this without Kyrie. Okay. Can we just... Kyrie wasn't there. So it's Luca and the Luca Ets. Basically. Alright. So 50 points of 128. So there, there's, there's that. The other thing that we need to get to is this. He's been doing it all year long. It's 32-9-8 as an average. So the counting numbers are fantastic. And if they continue to play at this level, and they're in that top four, he might get some MVP consideration as well. Um, it looks like the Luka Doncic-Devin Booker rivalry has gotten a little spicier because, you know, when you drop 50 on somebody... And there's been some trash talking beforehand. It's just going to ramp up as the year goes on. So earmark or uh, circle on your calendar the next Phoenix Suns-Dallas Mavericks game. The other thing is that Luca, he is such a student of the game. There were Dirk Nowinski shots in this game. There was Larry Bird shots in this game. There were assists that were amazing. He looked like Magic Johnson. Um, it was just really, <laughs> it was just, it was, he just demolished that team. It was just ugly to see. Um, the other thing is that anytime they put a, a small on, on Luca, he would just punish them in the paint. It was crazy. So the other thing that we need to talk about, in the Dallas game is Derek Lively Jr. came back. He scored 20 points. Um, he's been probably the fourth best rookie in the NBA. All right, we're going to get to this. Phoenix is in some trouble. Mainly it's injuries. You know, mainly it's, you know, they just haven't had their guys and, and what have you. But um, there's some just really discerning signs with the Suns. And we're going to kind of go over it. Trading for Bill was a risky endeavor, and, and the Phoenix Brass knew this was a plausible scenario. Bradley Beal not playing, except like one game or two games this whole season. Listen, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying when we when the trade was broken, we talked about Beal missing games then. And like I said, you cannot script the ankle injury he had. You you can't, right? But it just seems like it follows him. And this was always going to be the risk. Here's the other thing. KD's upset. He's frustrated. And we're going to get to all of the KD stuff in a second. He's Here's the one thing that we will say. He's carrying a heavier a heavier load than he expected, right? You thought with Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal, you could easily 
talk yourself into 75 plus coins between those three and then we'll figure out the other 40 to 45 we'll need. You could see that when you put this team together. But with him missing a lot of time, Booker, Durant has been the more healthy of the group, which is amazing because of his advanced age and some of the injuries that he has had with the Achilles and what have you. There's some frustration there. The other question that I have is that with him also being the person that is actually playing most of the games and having to do so much and carry some of the offensive brunt of this team, what is the cumulative effects by the time Phoenix gets to the playoffs? If they get to the playoffs. Now, we're not saying that we don't think they will get to the playoffs. I'm just saying right now it doesn't look good, and we're going to get into a little bit more of it. Like it or not, this team is flawed, and they can look back on a couple things. They can look back on the impatience of trading away their their former number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton, instead of waiting for a more credible deal to come to come by and get pieces that would be more additive to what they're trying to do. They did not do that. They said, nope, we got to get him out of here. We got to do this. We got to change. We got to get it. You know, he's a cancer, this, that, the other. Now, there are some options that they could have went down the road with. One, if he was going to be so bad and he was going to be such a, such a, um, downer on the season, you could have shipped him home and said, we'll wait until we get the trade, a la Daryl Morey when Ben Simmons was acting um, the way he was acting. The other thing that you could do, Vogel is a really good big man coach. He had Roy Hibbert in Indiana, what he did for Dwight Howard when he was with the Lakers. Imagine if Vogel gets his hands on DeAndre Ayton, and I believe in the in the offseason he was talking in that vein. He never got his chance to get his hands on the enigma that's DeAndre Ayton. And to tell you the truth, I wonder what this team would look like if that was the case. Now, I said we had some more on Durant, and we do. And we'll get there now because we have a couple more things to get to, but I want to get on this Durant thing right now. So, KD, it was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN, that KD was frustrated with the Suns and the direction the team was going in. Wait, what? KD wanted out of Golden State, right? Kevin Durant asked out of Golden State. At that time, we were like, oh, he wants his own team. Okay, everybody stood by that. We would ten toes down on that situation, right? He then hitches his wagon to Kyrie. Then, by extension, hitches his wagon to James Harden. Kyrie goes full Kyrie. Everybody knows the story. James Harden, who is a front runner, seeks sanctuary in Philly. And then KD asks out of Brooklyn. KD could have went to the Knicks at that time. He could have done a lot of things. But he chose Brooklyn. He chose them. He chose Kyrie at his, as his running mate. 
and then we saw the debacle go down. Now that we get through all that, and we listen, we can even at that point back KD at that point, right? We're like, oh man, all these things happened around him. He didn't have, you know, this wasn't what he envisioned. He just wanted to play basketball and hoop and he wanted to do all these things, right? Now here's the other thing. KD then asked out of Brooklyn, and here's the thing. He wants out of Brooklyn, and he only wants to go to Phoenix. And Phoenix only. His reasoning behind that was he didn't want a big spectacle. He wanted it to be low-key. But he gave them a list of one. Okay, so now KD has handpicked his next team, which is the Phoenix Suns fixate his basketball nirvana or whatever he is looking for and now he's not happy well bro i mean listen we've been on your side we were we were on your side with the westbrook deal we said okay i understand you can't coexist with that dude you go to golden state and it's nothing but championships it's nothing but dominance it's nothing but just beautiful basketball and then Yes, we were on your side. Draymond, crazy, whatever, you want to leave. I get it. We were still kind of like scratching our head about it, though. We were like, uh, is this the best situation? You you want to leave this? Because even as big a headache as Draymond is, let him act a fool and get himself pushed out or whatever the case may be. But, dude, stay in Golden State and keep on winning chips with Steph. Right? Keep on doing that. Now, you push your way out, you go to Brooklyn, that blows up, and now you push your way out, you go to Phoenix, and now you don't like the direction of the team. Man, you made your bed, and you got all your bread. You got all of it. So now, at this point, man, if you ask out again, I never thought I'd say this. The next disgruntled superstar to ask out, it could be KD. Don't aggregate me. I'm just saying that this looks real familiar, and we got a lot of history to back it up. But, man, it'd be such a bad look for our guy, KD, if that was the situation. So I hope that's not the situation. I hope what we're looking at right now is just frustration because they're losing, you know, once Bill gets back and they get rolling, maybe it looks a lot better and his disposition will be better. But right now, when I heard that, I was like, wow, dude, this such a bad look for you. All right. Two more things and then we can get up out of here. We're going to talk about um, jaw a little bit. We're also going to talk about a couple. We talked about some of the things that... Um, Mark Stein was talking about, and then I got a couple of draft picks for you guys to kind of look at, go through the YouTube worm, wormhole, or whatever the case may be. All right, so Memphis, we back? Are we back now? 3-0 and since Ja got back. Obviously, Ja was uh, suspended for disciplinary actions uh, off the court. Now, Morant has been relentless in his attack of the paint upon his return, which is he has created more space for Desmond Bain to just launch threes. 
and create dump off opportunities for uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I mean, honestly, you know, I think Chris Vernon said it best. He said, "Listen, they're a good team without a without their superstar, and now their superstar is back, and he expected them to go on a run." So, shout out to our guy from the mismatch, Chris Vernon. All right, a couple things here from Mark Stein. Um, per him, per Mark Stein, Kelly Olynyk is a target of the Boston Celtics. There seems to be some interest there. The Jazz might be having a mini fire sale, but it doesn't include Lori Markkinen. Um, we were talking about maybe Lori Markkinen being traded on this pod, I think, in the Western Conference recap. And, you know, there were possibilities and who should be going to get them. Someone said to me, Lori's happy here. And... His family's happy here. And here's the thing. If Lori Markin is happy in Utah, and this is a dude that's an all-star, and you know how hard it's, it is for Utah to get free agents, I can see why he's not part of that group. But it looks like Colin Sexton and Wing Jordan Clarkson are part of that group. And it looks like the Jazz have interest in moving from both of those uh, guys as well. It looks like Atlanta might be planning a roster shakeup, also per Mark Stein. Uh, guard DeJounte Murray looks like being a guy that might be on the chopping block and be traded. Also, this is no secret. They've been trying to trade him since the offseason. Clint Capella. But the Murray thing is interesting on a lot of levels. One, the Lakers have interest. Now, here's the thing. I think the Lakers do not have enough to get DeJounte Murray. And I'm sure that D'Angelo Russell would be part of the package going back. And I don't know if that's something that Atlanta will want to get involved with. So it would have to be Reeves. And I know that the Lakers do not want to call him off Reeves. So I don't see DeJounte Murray coming to the Lakers. But we shall see. Also, the Knicks look like they are interested in well. So there, there is that. And here's the thing that has been said multiple times. And I think we said it on this podcast um, at least three pods back. Zach Levine, his trade interest is waning. And I think there's two things. One, there is a spot for Zach Levine. I don't know necessarily, I can't put my finger on it, but there's a spot for him. The thing about it is, is that it's the contract and what he does. If he was a galvanizer of people, I think this would be a lot easier. If he was uh, a guy who doesn't put up 50 points and no assists, and like he was like Luca, who puts up 50 points and has 15 assists. See, that's the thing. Luca put up 50 points, but he also had 15 assists. 
When Levine put up 50 points, he had zero. You tell me who you would want on your team. All right. All right, let's get to a couple of the draft prospects. Um, a couple things to keep your eyes out on. Um, first little news note, which is kind of a bummer. Donovan Klingman, Klingen, the Yukon big man, is out for three to four weeks. He has a right foot tendon issue. Let me tell you, anytime we talk about seven-footers and draft prospects and we start talking about feet issues before they even get drafted, I'm immediately very skittish about that guy. That's just me. Now, Nico is very big on clinging. So I wonder what he is on Nico's draft board with this new information, but that should be coming out in early January. Actually, mid-January, we should have something out top 10 draft prospects even it might be even more expanded um blurbs on people but we're just trying to get names out to you now so you can start doing your own draft prep right the other thing is this is that i'm gonna ask this question how many times will lottery prospect mattis bazellus get compared to orlando magic's wing franz wagner now, Bozellis is a, he's in the G League Ignite. He's six foot eight. He's about 210 pounds. He's good size. Um, he has great instincts, good feel for the game. Um, he's really good at fluidity, which is, you know, you, I'm not going to be here and be surprised by this. You know, like these dudes train all the time. And he's a modern wing. He's a, he has a face-up game. He has good shooting ability. He can pass the ball. So, you know, right now, he's one of the t top three prospects out there. Um, what you will see in this prospect group, and I think I said it before, I don't think you'll see a guy that there's not a guy that will, will reach anywhere close to Wimby status um, or any of the guys in maybe the last three or four drafts. This is a good, like, rotational piece draft, not a, hey, we got a superstar on our hands draft. Um, the next guy I want to get to is Cody Williams out of Colorado. He's a big wing freshman, 19 years of age, 6'8", um, on the slender side, but Williams looks like he'll fill out nicely, big shoulders. Um... Here's the one thing that I love about Williams. He's a I-don't-need-the-ball guy. He just finds ways to be impactful, whether it's it's a drive after the ball is swung to him, to his side, or using his body to gain advantages on scoring opportunities or making rhythm threes. He's just a solid rotational contributor. And I, I, love, I love his game. So... Uh, he does a lot of things right, and I think he's going to be uh, one of the top prospects in the upcoming draft. Now, the only reason that Nikola Topic isn't the number one overall prospect is because scouts want more explosion 
and the jump shot is still a work in progress. <clears throat> but even with that, the lack of explosion and athleticism, Topic can get into a variety of crafty uh, shots. He he has an innate move set that it's it's really crazy to watch. He he can get to the basket, and it doesn't look like he plays at his speed. It's like here's the thing. I don't want to to compare him to Luka Doncic. What I'm saying is that when he plays his uh whatever his speed is, you can't get him out of his speed. You can't speed him up. You can't slow him down. He's just going to get there. And he finds a way to get to the basket. Um, he's a absolute sorcerer-level passer. But this is what one scout did say to me. If the shot was more consistent, there would be a no, it would be a no-brainer. But because of the shot, will Tokish be able to get past NBA-level defense beat defenders on a consistent enough basis to allow the other excellent skills that Tokic possesses to be a factor? It is a interesting question, and we have up until June of 2024 to figure it out. But these are the things that are being said to me, so now you have them, and we are all better for it, right? couple other guys I want to hit on real quick. I'm still high on Alexander Starr, the seven-footer, um, playing in Perth. Um, I think that Starr might be the one guy that has, like, the star potential. Now, I don't know if he'll necessarily be the number one overall pick. You can make um, – you can nitpick his game as well. But I see kind of a Jaron Jackson Jr. type of player in there. Um, but, you know, we haven't done all the work on him. But he might be the guy to me that might be the guy that pops if there is a guy in the draft. Uh, Jacoby Walter out of Baylor. I want to talk about him for one second. He's a really interesting prospect in this regard. There's not a lot of ton, there's not a ton of self-creation with him. Okay. He's 6'5. He's 195. So he's a you know small smaller wing guard, whatever you want to call him. But he's a spot-up shooter. He makes quick, decisive drives. Um he provides length and most important. He has one two on the defensive side of the ball, so we don't we don't um, worry about his defense. He's not slight where he's going to get just shrugged off of screens and things of that nature. He he seems to fight over those very well. He has enough length to his game and want to to be a pretty good defender when it all comes down to it. But it's really hard. To have a guy like this be drafted like fifth overall or sixth overall, like top 10, if you don't have like a bunch of unexpected uh, offensive creators in other parts of your offense, right? Like, I look at OKC, they have a bunch of creators. He'd be good there. 
The Clippers have a bunch of creators. He'd be good there. The Celtics have a, a good am amount of creators. He'd be good there. Golden State would be a good team for him as well. The teams that like I would stay away from, like Indiana. Like Indiana has Halliburton. And that's about it. Right? Um Brooklyn doesn't have not nearly enough shot creation um for others. And Memphis, because Ja runs the show there. You know, you need multiple people to to be able to do it. So you're looking for a team, if you're drafting Jacoby Walter, you're looking for a team that, like, you know, Paulo carries, gets the ball, Franz gets the ball, uh, you know, others, like, you know, on the Lakers, you got LeBron, you got Austin, you got some other people that can to handle the ball. Golden State, obviously, you got Draymond, you got Steph, you know, you got others to do it. So that's the type of team that you I would think that you would need when it came when it comes to you know drafting a kid like this. Now he had a breakout game against Duke. So if you're looking for your YouTube clip of the day brought to you by YouTube, I use YouTube, and the reason why I'm telling you about it is because I want you to go to my YouTube channel, Front Runner Podcast Collective. And I want you to check out all the breakout clips that we have there. And I'm going to tell you right now, go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and turn on that notification bell and be a part of the process of this growing community. That's what I'm trying to tell you is be a part of it. Also, as we close out the show, get on with us on X or formerly known as Twitter at FrontRunnerPC. And you can hit my guy Nico up at Nico FRPC. Okay, so that is going to do it for the show today. I am extremely happy that we could go ahead and do this for you. Um, look for a podcast at the end of the week. So Friday, I'm not going to give you a date because I want to make sure we get enough other basketball and some other news in to make sure that we have a full, robust show for you. So, if it's Thursday, it's Thursday. If it's Friday, it's Friday. But you're going to get another show before the end of the week. So, that's going to do it for me. I hope you guys enjoyed the Christmas Day games. I hope you enjoyed some of the perspectives, the the, the points of view I had today. Um, I hope it gives you some interesting conversations with your friends or your colleagues out there, and if you're just a hoophead like me, I hope this sparks a ton of debate. So with that being said, y'all be easy, and we are out of here.